A note from Robert P. Rabbit, 6. You are probably wondering how I got to Atlanta from the mountains of North Georgia. Well, sometimes I wonder myself. Actually, I think it was meant for me to go to Atlanta just to meet Katie. I have noticed that everyone in Katie's family, from Granddad to Polly to Will, doesn't always know just what to do when. That's where I come in. I steer them right when they are headed in the wrong direction. I ask questions they don't think to ask so we can always get the answers we need. And I generally solve problems for them when they are otherwise stumped. Actually, sometimes it just comes down to being in the right place at the right time. Oh yes, about my trip to Atlanta. You know by now that my favorite food is rutabaga. Well, rutabagas are part of the turnip family and sometimes get mistaken for turnips. That's exactly what happened to me. I was hopping around Farmer Early's farm in Tiger, Georgia one Monday morning, minding my own business, when I spotted a truck full of vegetables. It was just sitting there minding its own business, too. But what could a hungry rabbit do but jump in the bed of the truck and make certain Farmer Early's vegetables were all okay? And besides, it looked to me like the bed of the truck was full of rutabagas. But much to my surprise, they were all turnips. Well, I didn't want to waste a good hop into the back of a truck, so I began to eat my fill of turnips, and I proceeded to fall fast asleep. The problem was that I didn't know Farmer Early was delivering his vegetables to Atlanta that day, and by the time I woke up, the truck was already there. When I woke up, I crept toward the back of the truck so I could see better, and the truck hit a bump and out I went. In fact, when Granddad found me injured, he told me I looked just like I fell off a turnip truck. How in the world did he know that? Chapter 6, Finding the Havasu The dedication says that we could all learn a great deal from their national treasure, the rock that will not move, said Will. I think the rock must be in a place where we can find some of the Havasupai people. Now, if you are looking for Native Americans, where do you go first? asked Dirtman. You'd go to a lot of Indian reservations, Will answered him. What's an Indian reservation? asked Robert P. Rabbit. Dirtman explained, Many years ago, as men, women, and children began to move to the western United States, before there were even any states west of the Mississippi River, the Native Americans who lived there began to be pushed aside by the settlers. Because many of them didn't live in permanent homes, but moved their villages around a lot with the seasons, it was easy for settlers to build towns and cities in the best places, and keep the Native Americans on the move. But as time went by, there were fewer and fewer places for the Native Americans to go, and the settlers began taking over not only their land, but also their food supplies. There were great battles between the American soldiers and the Native Americans, which the Native Americans generally lost. The government, representing the settlers, forced all of the Native Americans to move onto specific land whether they wanted to or not, and these places are called reservations. That doesn't seem very nice, said Robert P. Rabbit. The Native Americans didn't think so either, but there wasn't much they could do about it, said Dirtman. Wait a minute, said Robert P. Rabbit. Don't they sometimes call Native Americans Indians? And aren't you an Indian, Hap? Why aren't you on a reservation? Well, I'm from the country of India, not from the United States. Centuries ago, European explorers mistakenly thought that Native Americans were from the Asian country of India, so they started calling them that. Anyway, 
Native Americans are the people who live on reservations. Not all Native Americans live on reservations, since some of them want to live and work in American cities. But many still do, Dirtman explained. Seems kind of confusing to me, said Robert P. Rabbit. We rabbits don't give different names to different rabbits, no matter what color their fur is, or where they live, or who is bigger or stronger, or who is littler and weaker. We're just all rabbits. Maybe we could learn a lot from you rabbits, said Dirtman. Anyway, I'll tell you something you probably didn't know. The state with the most reservations is Arizona. So let's pull up reservations in Arizona on the computer and see if the Havasupai live there. When they looked at the list of results, sure enough, there were the Havasupai living in Arizona. Now, maybe we need to figure out why Larry Burkett mentions that particular tribe. So Katie, why don't you use the computer to find out all you can about the Havasupai? And Will, why don't you use this other computer to find out where they live and see if you can find anything about the rock that does not move? Katie and Will went right to work researching while Dirtman made himself a cup of tea. By the time he returned, they were ready to share what they had learned. Katie started, It says that Havasupai means the people of the blue-green waters. They are intimately connected to the water and to the land. It also says that this blue-green water found where they live is sacred to the Havasupai people, and that the water and their land are part of the Havasupai people. What do you mean by sacred? asked Will. That means extremely important to them, that the water and the land have deep meaning for their tribe, and no one should do anything to hurt the water or the land, like polluting it with chemicals or trash, because to them, that would be doing the same thing as hurting the people, answered Katie. Do you think that the water and the land are part of the clue? Will asked. I don't know, said Katie. Here's what else I found out. The Havasupai tribe is not a large tribe at all. There are only about 650 people in the tribe altogether, and they have been living in the same area of the United States for hundreds of years. And I found out that all of them live in the same village. They aren't scattered all over the country like the Cherokees or the Sioux or other Native American tribes. They all live in the Supai village at the bottom of the Havasu Canyon. That doesn't seem possible that there aren't some of the Havasupai in other parts of the country, Will said. I think it has to do with what we already found out. The water and the land where they have always lived is like a part of them, so they don't want to go too far from it. I also found out that they have had to fight the United States government in court to get back their full rights to their land, and they won the case. All of their native land was totally restored to them by the courts not too many years ago, and they all still live there, Katie explained. And here is something important that I learned, said Will. I found that the Supai village where they live is so difficult to get to that there are no roads in or out, and it is the only place in the United States where the mail is still delivered by donkey, since the only way into the village is on a nine-mile trail down a steep canyon wall. No wonder they are all in the same place, said Katie. It's a lot of work to get in or out. Are they near any towns or cities? Not really, said Will. The nearest city is Peach Springs, Arizona, and it is kind of small itself, and 66 miles away. Another interesting fact, Katie added, is that the tribe is the only one in the United States in which 100% of the people speak their native language. I wonder if they speak English too, Will commented. 
It says that they speak English when they want to, but if they are suspicious of an outsider or don't like visitors for any reason, they will only speak their native tongue, and not English, said Katie. Okay, asked Dirtman. That's all very interesting. So where do we go from here? First, we need to visit the Havasupai people, said Katie. Why is that? asked Will. Because, said Katie, the dedication says that it is the Havasupai people who gained the wisdom and knowledge from the rock that does not move, and my guess is that we are going to have to ask them what this knowledge is and what the wisdom is all about. Will added, Maybe they will show us where the rock is, and maybe the second clue is hidden under or around that rock. Well, it's obvious that wherever the rock that does not move is located, it has to have something to do with the Havasupai people, and the only place on earth to find the Havasupai people is at the bottom of the Havasu Canyon, said Katie. There's one thing that still worries me, said Robert P. Rabbit. We don't have any idea where Myron Woodard is, or what he is up to, and I don't like not knowing where my enemies are. Why, every time I go to a new area of the forest, the first thing I do is find out where the fox den is, so I can keep an eye on the fox. Foxes always think that most of the time while they are walking around, ready to spring on some unsuspecting rabbit, that they are unnoticed. But if you've ever looked closely, you will see that they almost always have a mouse or a rat in their mouths, and hardly ever a rabbit. That's because we rabbits are always watching them, and they don't get close enough to us to cause any harm. I'd like to be doing the same thing with Mr. Woodard, so we'll need to give some thought to that. That's a smart thing to do, Robert P. Rabbit, said Dirtman. Now, why don't you all go back and tell Grandad what you have learned? Stay in touch with me through the phone, and I'll do some additional research. I've got a couple of other things I need to look up, and maybe I can do just what Robert P. Rabbit is suggesting and keep an eye on Mr. Woodard for you. Katie, Will, and Robert P. Rabbit hurried back to the cottage to catch up Grandad. After hearing everything, Grandad told them, Well, I guess we have no choice but to go to the Havasu Canyon. Let's get everything together and plan our trip. Can we go by Meridian in Mississippi and pick up Emily? Katie asked. I told her I didn't see why not. Emily is Katie's cousin, and since we would be driving right by her hometown anyway, it made sense to pick her up. It was always good for Katie to have Emily around to help her out if she needs anything. And the doctors say that having a good friend close by is good for Katie's health. We held a family meeting and decided that Polly, Katie, Will, Emily, and I would all drive out in my SUV. My son, Eric, would drive down from his home in Denver and meet us in Arizona. Eric is an experienced mountain man and an excellent climber, having spent five and a half years in the Teton Mountains of Wyoming. He knows many of the rivers and canyons of the West, so he would be a big help, since none of us really knew what we would be getting into in the Havasu Canyon. We were all very happy with the plans we had made, but little did we know that Myron Woodard and the Draconian Drug Company were making their own plans for us. Later that night, after everyone was settled down to sleep, Katie leaned over and said, Robert P. Rabbit, are you still awake? I sure am, he replied. I'm too excited to sleep. Well, there's something I want you to think about, she said. What is that? whispered Robert P. Rabbit. Today, everyone kept saying that we need to find the rock that does not move, she said. But that's not what the dedication says. It actually says, the rock that will not move. Why is that important? asked Robert P. Rabbit. I'm not sure, said Katie, but let's keep that in mind. 
Katie didn't know at the time just how important that one word would turn out to be.